Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. By G.K. Chesterton. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off, down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. This is Editing Megan here, jumping in here early to tell you that we forgot to do a proper intro. Yes, sad, but true. Uh, It happened... I blame it on Edwin because uh, I was trying to get him on board and and uh, explain to him all the profundities and complexities that I was going to bring out. And it's a lot for his little brain to handle. And in the midst, I got so caught up in all my brilliance that I didn't actually properly introduce what we're doing. And it comes in about 10 minutes after this that we kind of sort of explain what we're doing. So welcome to this podcast. This is your intro. It is why you should reread The Hobbit. And I hope you enjoy. I don't think this is making it in because I just want to tell you kind of what I'm thinking. Okay. Let's talk about why you should reread it. Like what makes it a book worth rereading. That's going to be the point of it. Okay. And so kind of delving deeper into like things you might have missed. Like, how many times Tolkien uses the word unexpected or not expected or this was surprising or he uses things in unexpected ways and Bilbo himself is an unexpected hero. Yes. Uh, So I think that's something that people don't, like, that you pick up on but you don't put words to. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of the point of this. And also my three mountain theory, light into darkness theory, that it's a chiasm also I think is worth noting heroes falling and being redeemed so why um why uh barrel riding is a very important chapter actually oh okay so i think we'll well i don't know what we should start with i don't know what you have do you want to add anything to this um i would like maybe to talk a little bit about um why is he even though he's unexpected why is he necessary mm. because yeah so what, then, what does he bring to the troop that none of them have and it, it's interesting to me that he has some things that aren't just plain up virtues um but he has like the the sneakiness he has the coyness he has the ability to um tell riddles and enjoy riddles he has a um he has a dexterity of mind right that the dwarves don't have i think the biggest thing is that at least what i got from last time i read it is that gold does not touch him whatsoever he he's he's good to be a thief or the burglar for for this because He's not going to be fall like he's not going to fall into the the dragon sickness. There's a moment of worry, 
but he's not going to fall into the dragon sickness. He's not going to uh, fall into greed. And, you know, you may be concerned while reading it, like, oh, why is he hanging on to the Arkenstone? Is he falling into that? But he realizes its power over others. Because it, it says that he used it as a pillow. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not like he's, which which shows you what he's really motivated by is comfort. It's comfort and and so that's you know and and so that's I think why Gandalf picks him is because Gandalf knows that he's a very virtuous hobbit. Like he he has his values and he will stick by it when he's tested. Like, you know, Gandalf knows that he's of, of firmer stuff than he first appears. Yes. Uh, and and the, the, and but then, it's interesting, though, like you say that, oh, he's very important. Um, but then there's that, that, you know, Gandalf kind of brings him down at the end, uh, you know, talking about the prophecy, you know, coming true and all of that. And, and Gandalf says, surely you don't disbelieve the prophecies. Because you had a hand in bringing them about yourself. You don't really suppose, do you, that all your adventures and escapes were managed by mere luck, just for your sole benefit? You are a very fine person, Mr. Baggins, and I am very fond of you. But you are only quite a little fellow in a wide world after all. And so it's kind of saying, like, yes, you had an important role to play, but... Don't think yourself bigger than you are. Bigger than you are. Like, oh, it all came about because of me. And like half the time, Bilbo is knocked out and misses everything. This is true. You know, and so like he he does have some very like climactic moments, but it's it's his journey. But I think also that that kind of that what Gandalf is saying is like the the world is very big and we all have to do our part. Yes, but like. In the scope of things, that was very small. Yes. But, yeah, he had to have his role. He, he yeah, still had it, to play his role. And it's, it's more for his sake. It's more for his salvation, for his redemption or rebirth or whatever word you want to use for it. I think it's more that Bilbo has to go on this adventure so that he is a better hobbit. That he has a richer and fuller life mm-hmm. because of it. And so, yes, there's this big scope and, like, this big... At the end, it was like, oh, all these people are coming in and, like, this, you know, they're freeing the the Dale and and all of this. But that was never really the point of going on it for for Bilbo. It kind of just happened. But this was him trying to... Yeah, see see if he... Like, he, he needs this adventure. There's this took side of him that... Has taken control. Took? Yeah. Taken? So, taken? I almost said tooken. Tooken. Uh, um, I do inter- think, think that's interesting. The, the, the idea of destiny and... Oh, oh, destiny! Destiny! No escaping! That's for me! Destiny! Destiny! No escaping! That's for me! Destiny! Destiny! No escaping! No and heritage and mm-hmm. do you think there's a little bit to that that sometimes people feel that there's an aspect to their their makeup that isn't fulfilled yes 
I I think it's just what Tolkien is saying is that there are these uncover like these these hidden treasures in all of us and that when you're tested you you they're brought to the surface right like you may think you're very meek and scared but then when you're you know placed in Mirkwood with the spiders and you have to defend your friends you find out that you have the wit and you have the strength to do it uh actually a really interesting quote from Tolkien talking about the hobbit this is what tolkien summed up um so he he summed up the central theme of the hobbit in a letter that he wrote in 1951 in effect this is the study of simple ordinary man neither artistic not noble and heroic but not without the undeveloped seed of these things against a high setting and in fact as a critic has perceived the tone and style change with the Hobbit's development, passing from fairy tale to the noble and high and relapsing with the return. So I think it's those undeveloped seeds that makes the difference. Like that's, that is the value of adventure. That is the change. Like it's yeah, these seeds in, in Bilbo that are developed. And that's the the point of going on adventures in life or ex- experiencing uh, those inconveniences. I do, I do love what Bilbo calls adventures nasty, <laughs> uncomfortable things. <laughs> yes. They, they really are. They really are. And I also love, though, like how Bilbo always have a, has a mind to get home and that the, this is, like, only a temporary thing. Like, this is... He he views he's like he 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 views this as something like I have to do this, but he doesn't also say like oh it's it's not. It's something I'm to not going to turn into Indiana Jones for right. each movie I'm I, on the not, next one. He's, he's not like, an adventurer. An, yeah, exactly. I'm not an adventurer, but this is my adventure. This is my... Yes. I have to write my story. Let's focus on the homecoming. The home leaving and the homecoming. And um, But we should probably introduce what we're talking about. Uh, I feel a little bit like the um, the Stephen Fry and, and Hugh Laurie thing when he's just like... Um, uh, Fry is just going on and on and on about something, and then he stops for Lori to to uh, respond, uh, and yeah. he's like, "We're talking about chickens. We're talking about eggs." Because like he has no idea what's going on. He just like repeats the last thing. Yeah. He's like, "Is the chicken and the egg problem?" We're talking about chickens. We're talking about eggs. So we're talking about adventures. We're talking about a Hobbit. So <laughs> that's uh, we're talking about the Hobbit, and. We, I think most people have read the, the Hobbit. I don't think most people have read the Hobbit. Well, shame on them. I'm going to live in my world and y'all can live in yours, but I'm going to live in mine right now and I say would that dare everyone say, has read the Hobbit. I would dare say that the exalted listener of this podcast yeah. more than likely has read the Hobbit. 
Oh, so demographically. Demographically, you are correct. Okay. You possibly even have read reread the, the Hobbit. Yes. So we're talking about. And, and we're we, not... are, we are in good company. Oh, good. Yes. This is not. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is that y'all have read it, so we're not going to be talking through it like, pl- you know, plot point by plot point. We're, we're not text crawling. No. Uh. Which was something we did more with Baron Munchausen, partly because the structure itself is kind of what structural. we were talking. Yeah. In- structure itself was structural. I think it's time to check the cell structure. Just it's uh, checking the cell structure. Checking the cell structure. Ah, checking the cell structure. Checking, checking, checking the cell structure. Checking the, structure. Checking the structure. structure. The structure of the cell is to be checked. Checking the cell structure. Checking the cell structure. Checking the cell structure. Checking the cell structure. The wall. And now the cell structure has been checked. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, but no, like we talked about, like you know, Baron Munchausen step by step, uh, because it's a less familiar piece of of art. It's you know most people haven't seen it, and so but with the Hobbit, I'm assuming that people know it. At least in passing. Yeah. So. What is then the point, if y'all have read it, what is the point of talking about it? And so the the point that we want to develop today is why you should reread The Hobbit. And hopefully we're going to pull out some interesting things that you might have missed or things that you will want to go back and reread and say like, oh, I found this and I found that. So hopefully there's just a little spark of like, yeah, let me... Let me reread it. I always have it when I learn more about a book that I'm like, oh, let me go back and reread it and see, yes. if, see if what they were saying I can see. And, you know, it, it just brings new yeah. depth and layers to things. So it, and that's I, like, it makes um, it fun. That's like the, the Great Books uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Give a little shout out to them. They're done pretty by, great. Yes. Huh. Done by Hillsdale College. Yeah. Jay Miller something? Yes. Yeah. You got it. Woo! And, um, you know, that podcast talks through the great books they almost got me to reread the scarlet letter that's how good that podcast is <laughs> i know some of them are very convincing yes um what was another uh, another one that almost got me convinced that i should give uh, an, uh pride and prejudice another shot oh did it actually convince it just you? almost almost and then i was like no i've actually you read know what? this i might have had that because i read it twice okay it's like it was just as bad the second time yeah it really was. Yep. It really was. And then that's, but that's the great thing about people talking about <laughs> literature is it, it can instill I know. a uh, spark to reread just, something. Just a side tangent to me being a little salty sailor dog. Ooh, I'm a salty sailor dog. Again? <laughs> yes. Uh, is when you say like, oh, I like reading the classics. People right away assume that you like Jane Austen and Dickens. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like, oh, so you like... And I'm like, no, I like Beowulf. I like the Iliad. I like Song of Roland. I just like heads cleaving. Like, yeah. that's, that's the stories that I want to read. It's Herodotus. Herodotus, yep. So, <laughs> or The Hobbit. Do you think The Hobbit is a classic? Yes. If you, if you want to... Uh, tune the piano a little bit finer i would say it's for sure classic children's literature um if you don't agree with my assertion of it being a classic in its own 
you know, is, is definitely in the subgenre of children's literature, 1000%. Uh, but I think it is so enjoyable for adults that, and there's so much in there that you can think about and discuss and, and, and like we're talking here, it's so rereadable. Yes. And I, and those are all markers of a classic. Okay. Uh, is it, is it good for all ages? Yes. Does it, does it have depths and complexities that you have to unravel? Yes. Can it be reread? Yes. And for, need I go on? Is it compelling? Yes. Yeah, it is. I, a, I wasn't going to quibble. I just wanted you to defend yourself. I'm so up in arms. I'm so feisty now. Yeah. Come at me, y'all. But that was weird. I was, I was Scottish and now I'm Southern. I don't know what I am. Okay, so how many times, Edwin, brother of mine? Yes. How many times have you read The Hobbit? Three times. Why? Because it's a compelling story. It's an adventure story. People people go out, do something, they come back home. It is emotionally satisfying. When you read The Hobbit, when I read The Hobbit, let's make this personal now. When oh, I let's, read, let's. Yes. When I read The Hobbit... I feel very much like Bilbo, somebody who has those seeds of of nobility and higher thought, but they're they're uncultivated. They have not yet grown, and they're they're. It is a story of hope, but showing that with that hope, there are incredible hardships along the way that have to be fought, and then that the the prize is to come home to a comfortable little hobbit hole filled with cupboards with food. To come home with that deeper appreciation for what you, you had, like a fuller understanding of what you have. Yes. Which changes what you have. Exactly. And that coming back the same way that you went out, but also completely changed feeds into something that I want to talk about here today is the chiastic structure of The Hobbit. Now, a chiasm, or sometimes called a ring structure, which knowing that is Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings, thought that was pretty pretty clever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Sometimes I call it a loop-de-loop. Oh, do you call it a loop-de-loop? Yeah, Isn't when I'm trying loop-de-loop to... loop-de-loop though more figurate-ish? Or is it Possibly. just over, over, over? Or maybe it's just several rings together. Oh, yeah. that's a whole new structure. Mm-hmm. The cell structure has been checked. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, a chiasm is a little bit tricky to explain without drawing diagrams. But a chiasm is something that is a very old structure. It's used in a lot of ancient literature. It's um, You can find it all over in the Bible, which is why it makes sense that... Tolkien would use it because he, Beowulf is a, is a chiasm. Uh, Tolkien translated the book of Jonah for the Jerusalem Bible, the New Jerusalem. Yes. The New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem Bible. Yeah. Uh, and in Jonah, I think, I believe it's chapter three. There's a, there's a chiasm there. Uh, the Psalms are full of chiasms. So chiasms are everywhere. They're a very satisfying structure. So what is a chiasm? A chiasm 
is that you work to a central point and then you work back out. Uh, some people have explained it as you can say it's kind of like a ham sandwich where you have bread, lettuce, ham, lettuce, bread. Right, the ham is the central point, mm-hmm. and then otherwise it'd just be a lettuce sandwich. And yeah, just be it would a be a lot of. Sandwich. I mean, like I wouldn't make a sandwich that way in real life. No, because you see, you, there's no friction between the materials. So if you were to do it that way, your things would slide out. All oh yeah, it would be a disaster. Yes, uh, but for literary structure, it's is great. Yes, there's uh, you can. It think was of... a good sandwich. It was a noble sandwich. <laughs> Uh, let's see, another chiastic uh, structure example. What did I come up with? Can I see your notes? They're actually you, my notes. Yes. They came, you came up with um, Psalm 11. Yeah, so Psalm 11. But I, I just to like briefly show the like, difference. So like uh, a beginning, middle, end structure, which is a very common one. Right? You have A, Little Red Riding Hood leaves home. B, goes through the woods. C, contends with the wolf. D, stays at grandma's house, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a chiasm would be structured, A, Little Red Riding Hood leaves home, B, goes through the woods, C, contends with the wolf, B, 2, goes through the woods, A, 2, Little Red Riding Hood comes home. I don't know if that clears it up for people. I think it does. Uh, but it, it's that... That central point that's really interesting about chiasms. Well, okay, it's what? a little bit. Let, let's let's try to put this in another way of people for them to think. So, in classical architecture, there are chiasms. You have the main approach, and then on the on the outsides you have the wings, and inside of that you can have the like a A B C mm-hmm. structure. Yeah. And the thing in the middle is the most important. So yeah. like your door, your front entry door is the most important part of classical architecture. Yeah. Right? So that that draws your eye inwards mm-hmm. and it gives symmetry and balance. Yeah. It's very pleasing. That yeah. that would be a visual representation of a chiasm. Yeah. That's helpful, I think. Good. Just a That's slight, why I said slight that. slight complication. You can also have two central points. To work out from like mm-hmm. some some chiasms are structured in A B C C B A, uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the case with the Hobbit here. And the reason why this chiastic structure is important when reading the the Hobbit is that it, it shows you that he will return home. So and I, there's also like a passing of seasons, which I find interesting too. What I found surprising when, when, you know, studying up about the structure of this was that chapter nine, barrel writing is the central point. And I would argue that both chapter eight and nine are pivotal chapters. Yeah. But that nine is the complete center is kind of interesting. And I think a lot of people just pass over that chapter as a funny incident and move on. But why why do you think that is the center? I don't know. Why do you think it is the center? I think there is a, a kind of a sacramental imagery going on in that. 
because they escape in wine barrels. So it used yep. to have wine in it. There's a feasting going on. Now it's the the wood elves are feasting, but there's a feasting going on. There's bread and there's wine and there's all that going on. And then there's a type of rebirth in the barrels. Like they, they have to go under through the waters. Right. And they emerge. And it was dark and it was like a tomb. Yeah. And then they emerge through the waters. And so, and that, I think that shows, that solidifies the change that we see in chapter 8, which is about the spiders. And Bilbo names his sword Sting. And we see Bilbo as a warrior. Like, we see him as a changed man. And I think 9 says, yes, he is. I think that's it's almost a like symbol the, of, okay. of him being like that, that. And I mean, it is his plan to how to get out of there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it is again. It's it's like that reaffirming. Like yes, Bilbo is the changed Hobbit. Yeah. He can take charge. Mm-hmm. He can. He can be someone who other people look to in times of trouble. Exactly. So I and I, I think yeah that 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 water imagery, it comes into play a lot. Uh, and I, and it's also just another example though of the. Death and resurrection. Or light into darkness. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of move into that. Is it light into darkness or darkness into light? Or both? Well, it's, it's like light, darkness, light, light, yeah. darkness. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, like whenever you think of it, it's like, oh, it was so dark. You couldn't see anything. It's kind of like a death. Yeah. Right? And then you go into light. And these things happen, like a lot of the, the, the drama that happens, happens in dark places. And then they move out of it once they've they've conquered it you have even like the dwarves plotting right when they come to bilbo's house right like it's so dark and scary in there and like bilbo's just like building up this tension he's like Eek! yeah <laughs> i don't like this and then they light a candle and then like it, it feels a little bit better yeah you know and then during the day they move out but the trolls right capture them in the dark yep and it's the light that literally kills the trolls yep you you have the goblins in the Misty Mountain and Gollum as well, right? And then they, you know, he escapes from that. You have, there's darkness when they're stuck in the tree with the wargs and the goblins, right? Yeah. That's at night. You have Mirkwood, which is a dark place. You have the barrels. You have the Lonely Mountain. So you have repeated over and over again these these dark and scary things happening. And then there's always light. There's that rebirth, that's a really good way to like look at how what each each adventure begins with that mm-hmm. and them conquering the darkness so yes, so that, that's that, that's that what heroes yeah. do do is is they they shed light on the situation <laughs> nice yeah you're nice yeah they bring they bring the light what? isn't there even something about sting flashing all the swords that are elf made, which Sting is as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when isn't it when goblins are near, they flash mm-hmm. right as a warning of like, oh, they're yeah, they're they near, glow. they yeah. glow. Yeah, I came up with this idea, and y'all can yell at me. Ah! <laughs> that was not the way of yelling I was expecting, <laughs> but that was unexpected, which is perfect with for the Hobbit because. Yeah. Things being unexpected is expected in The Hobbit. Like, that's that's 
time and time again. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> exactly. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, we'll talk about that next. But there's, like I said, there's structures within structures, right? Yes, yeah, a honeycomb. What? Oh, a honeycomb structure? Well, it's a structure within a structure. There's the box, and oh, there's the honeycomb inside. And then that. there's the honeycombs that stack on top yeah, of the honeycombs. Yeah. See? So, like, what is actually the structure? Because it's just so many honeycombs. Soul structure has been chucked. <laughs> but I see that there's a climbing every mountain theme going on here. working his way up to things. So how do I get that? I get that that there are three mountains in The Hobbit. Can you name the three mountains? So there's the mountain that Smog is in. Yeah, that's the Lonely Mountain. The Lonely Mountain. Then there is the um, Party Mountain. Not not Lonely. No, there's the mountain... <laughs> I'm like, is that your joke? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why um, did I laugh? That was a pity laugh. Uh, this is the mountain that the, the orcs are in. Mm-hmm. The Misty Mountain. Misty Mountain. I need to start saying it like you. Mountain. Mountain. <laughs> and I wonder if you count Bag End as a mountain. I do not count Bag Ends as a mountain. Then I, I don't do, remember. Do, do, Shush. Do. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember the third mountain. I think the third mountain are the trolls. Oh. Uh-huh. Because when they turn to stone, stone is yeah. Yeah. So there's that. There's that. That's yeah. mountainy. Yeah. And also Gandalf says. Like they they return to the 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 thing that they were. Like he says something about them. Well, he says something about like how trolls came from the mountains and they've wandered farther and farther in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they live in caves, which is mountainy. Mm-hmm. Mountainy. That's a terrible. Which is mountain like. That sounds so much more educated. <laughs> so. Uh, they live in caves, so that's mountain-like, and and I, I, I do believe Gandalf says something to the effect of, I don't have it written down right now, but he says something to the effect of they've, they've returned back to whence they came. I like mine as a fourth mountain. Really? It's a hill. <laughs> it's a very little mountain. <laughs> but he has to conquer it at the very end. That's true. I will buy that. And it, so maybe there are four, four mountains. Fold, it's very good. I like it. Because I was thinking three is very good. That's, numerically. Yeah, but four is like four corners of the earth. But, yeah, four is symbolic as well. Yes. Okay. Maybe there's the big three in the little four. Well, I was just thinking what's interesting, though, if you view the trolls 
as a mountain, then you have very much the, the, the smallest hurdle, but that's the first hurdle, and that's very... Yeah. You know, that's very hard. And then you go a little ways, and then you have the next hurdle, and that's a little bit bigger, and that's a little bit harder. Are you kidding the Misty Mountain? It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough, I know! I mean, he almost dies. Yeah. I guess he almost dies with the trolls, too. Yeah, so. they almost eat him. Yeah. And he almost dies with, with, with the Misty Mountains. And then the biggest one of all is the Lonely Mountain, and that's that's the most dangerous. But you know what I find fascinating, and this is getting back to our chiasm, mm -hmm. is for me, the Lonely Mountain feels the least scary because we've passed through fire and we've passed through water. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I don't know what that means. But anyways, we, we've, we've gone through <laughs> chapters eight and nine. We've passed through spider webs and, and gone through barrels. And so... I, I don't view the Lonely Mountain as as scary. It's kind of like in the Princess Bride, like they they they've gone through the the sinking sand and the the fire, and you know really we can live here quite comfortably. <laughs> live in the fire swamp. But what about the RUSs? Oh, I don't believe they exist. <laughs> what are the three terrors of the fire swamp? One, the flame spurt. No problem. There's a popping sound proceeding each. We can avoid that. Two, the lightning sand, which you were clever enough to discover what that looks like, so in the future we can avoid that too. Wesley, what about the RUSs? Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. It <laughs> <laughs> has a little bit of that feel, doesn't it? It does. It does. Well, I mean, yeah. And I feel like so many, like, I mean, we could talk about for hours how Tolkien changed fantasy and adventure yeah. stories for for forever um but the, he changed them for forever and also we could talk, talk for, forever. For, for forever for, for forever <laughs> forever forever what was the competing song it's forever and Who's the fellow who wrote this song? Buy my three mountain idea. I do. Oh. And I see and you, that, you, you, and I raise <laughs> the four mountain idea. Okay. Because one, he has to, and it, it's actually semi chiastic because um, he actually has to defeat Big Ends twice. He has to defeat it to leave it. Mm. Right. So that's a little bit like that's. A oh, that's not semi chiastic. That is chiastic. Yeah, so it's a mini. It's a mini. Challenge. It's a chiastic within the chiasm. Is that what you're saying, or you're just saying it's a small challenge? It, his first challenge. His is first to leave. challenge is to leave, and then his last challenge is to live there again. Yeah. I'm not dead yet. 
I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your ninepence. I'm not dead. Here. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Well, also, that's another um, kind of resurrection idea is that the hobbits think that he's dead and he comes back alive. Yeah. Right as they're selling all his stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Rude. I think that is, that is very rude of them. <laughs> But did he owe taxes on it or something? Is that why they could just get get rid of no, it? No, they just figured he was dead, so you may as well get his nice stuff because he was he was had really good taste. He had really nice stuff. Yeah, and he spent all his money getting his stuff, stuff back because he didn't. But want to he fight was about okay it. with that. Well, the thing's because the money didn't mean anything to him. Right. What meant something to him was going on the adventure itself. Yeah, and succeeding at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really didn't care. Like at the end, he gives he gives away all most of his money and then he gives more of it away and then he gets back what the trolls had yeah uh so that that was a little compensation there so we we see bilbo becoming a hero right so he's on that journey yeah and at least for myself i i trust bilbo he might sometimes there's there's sometimes moments of him being a little bit cowardly where you're like, you're understandably good. so. Like, I don't know, like, not not in a, like, oh, I disdain you. You, you ca- craven coward. You cowardly lion, you. But in a, v- a very natural way of, like, it seems prudent that we run. Yes. <laughs> you know. I would urge we run. <laughs> Precisely so. But we also get to see other heroes uh, floating around where a uh, bard would be yep. considered a hero. Uh, but then, then we also get to see a fallen hero, and a fallen hero that is redeemed. Any guesses who that is? Thorin. Yeah, it's Thorin. Thorin makes me tear up. Like when Thorin, when Thorin dies. My goodness, don't talk to me. I guess the little joke. There's not a like. There's not a literal tear, but there's the swollen lands. Or yeah. Like, and like the heaviness in your chest, really. Like, yeah. Ugh. Uh, so Thorin is the the leader of the dwarves. He is a mighty warrior, and uh, he's a very good dwarf. But he uh, becomes so obsessed with his rights, like getting what is mine, getting mm-hmm. you know, getting my place. This is my mountain. Getting what's his. Also, the gold and the treasures start to possess him in a way similar to Gollum. Yes. Right? The longer he's with it, like, the longer he's in the Lonely Mountain, the longer he's looking at his hordes of gold and, like, mine, that's mine, that's mine there. Yeah. It kind of ends up being, like, my precious. Like, this yes. is this is all of my stuff. And he's so ruled by it that he, his, his judgment is, is clouded by it. Right, that he starts, he starts this war with the men. Yeah. Now, I I love how Tolkien writes the whole interchange of like the parleying. Yeah. Between the two, because both of them, I feel like, have very convincing arguments. Yeah. You can see why they thought, like, you know, there's part of me that's totally on Thorin's side. Yeah. But then you have Bilbo saying, "Well, just give them the money, and call it a day, and then nobody gets hurt." Yeah. And then you're like, that kind of kind of seems like a decent solution because they both have a honest claim to it, right? Because yeah. Smog has been 
has has hurt both people, has yeah. persecuted both people. Uh, of course, the Thorns way of thinking is like, well, yeah, but this was just because he hurt your people. He hurt our people. And you never had a claim on this treasure. Exactly. Our people that's... always had a claim on this treasure. Yes. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a there's definitely a and, line and, of logic. And, yeah. Oh, and Smog hurt us first. Yeah. Right? Like, that, like, was, that was us Why first. do you get compensation? Uh, just a little aside, I thought it was it's really fascinating, too, where... The dwarves are so blessed and they're doing so well that that's kind of what lets Smog sneak in. And so I think maybe there's a little bit of like, don't get too comfortable in your wealth. Like, mm-hmm. because that's because like the guards were so used to nothing happening that they were just sleeping. Like, they didn't yeah. care. And then all of a sudden, Smog swo- swooped in. Constant vigilance. Yes. <laughs> vigilance shall be the watchword. Where were we going with this? Fallen heroes. Fallen hero, yes. Fallen hopes and dashed dreams. Um, but it's really important, though, as we, we see Thorin fall, that we see him redeemed. The battles of the, the five armies, I think it's, it's yeah. called. And Thorin proves himself more than worthy. And on the same side as the, you know, the, yeah. they, they unite against yes. these, uh, the, the forces of evil. And on his deathbed, he wants to talk to, to Bilbo because he had a falling out with Bilbo. Right. Right, because Bilbo stole the Arkenstone and used it to, tr- you know, barter with the men, the king of the men and the elves. Mm. Yeah. Thorin's parting words are, There is more in you of good than you know, child of the kindly West. Some courage and some wisdom blended in measure. If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. And that's where we get back to what we were saying at the very beginning is that's why this, like, Thorne understands why Bilbo was brought along with them. Yes. He understands Bilbo's true value now, like, because they thought he was useless the whole time. And then he shows, like, oh, he's pretty good with that sword sting. He can, you know, he can trick and he can riddle and he can get, you know, the ring, right? They're very impressed that he gets the ring. Mm -hmm. And so they're impressed by these things that he does along the way. But Thorin realizes now the the real value of, of Bilbo. Yeah. And that Bilbo was there to teach him what to value. That it's food and cheer and song. It's not the hoarded gold. Yeah. And so that's that's what I think is so interesting about this story is that it it kind of shows you what what to value. Like mm-hmm. That's it puts in, that in perspective against like this like like Tolkien said like against this high adventure this high setting and it makes it so much smaller. Like it's it's not I don't know it's the simple things in life and yeah it's the most complicated things in life. Yeah. Okay, then. So, the next thing is, um... Ah! <laughs> didn't do anything. Oh, shoot. I am a rock. I am an I- I- island. <laughs> I am a rock. I am an island. You didn't find that Movie. unexpected? <laughs> no, not really. Oh, shoot. How uh, was that? Like, was did I breathe in too much? Yes. Really? Yeah. You could tell I was going to yell at you. You kind of had this look. 
I had a like a like a fleeting thought go yeah. across my face. You exactly. could just totally tell. Yeah. I just saw something in your eyes I don't like. I saw a foolish thought. You understand me. Anything happens, anything at all, your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. My little brother will blow that kid's head right off. Man. Too predictable. So Ah Did you know that one? Though it wasn't I don't know, it wasn't particularly surprising, but oh. it was ah! Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. See, I blink, but I just more I'm like very easily scared. I startled myself walking out of a gas station once. <laughs> I have had it walking out of a grocery store. That I'm like, oh shoot, that is a tall like like that's a mean looking guy <laughs> coming walk, right at me. Coming right at me. I'm gonna step out of his way. Oh, that is that's my reflection. That's priceless. Yeah, I was like, oh, I scared myself. Yeah. So. I've, I've had it where I've walked by and I'm like, who is that grouchy lady there? And I'm <laughs> like, oh, it's me, shoot! <laughs> I'm like, okay, I better uh, change my... Uh, attitude. Attitude, my demeanor, my, yeah. my posture. <laughs> he has a lot of fun with playing with uh, the unexpected. And we've talked a little bit about this uh, here and there. And I would love to read it again. Mm -hmm. Full circle. So it's a chiasm here. I would like to count this time actually how many times the word unexpected, not expected, surprising, that sort of vein, that kind of thought. Serendipitous. No, not that one. That's a oh. different vein. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and actually count because like reading through my old notes, I counted five, but I know there's more than that. Yeah. There's probably seven. And do you... <laughs> You're so annoying. Sometimes. And, like, do you count moments as it as well? Because when you have the most hopeful, triumphant cry of the eagles, the eagles, do you count that as something unexpected? Because that is, that yeah. is a happening. Like, they are... They are you know, winged in, they're not expected. Like there's, yeah. even if it's not literally said. Yeah. It's, it's this, this flying hope, this, you know, bringing. Well, I mean, the whole finding the ring is unexpected. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of the idea of like, you know, an adventure is something that is not expected. Yeah. Or at least even though the adventure, they embark on it, that's like, but things arise. Oh, you brought that... something up. Inadvertently. Oh, dear. Yep. I don't know if I've said this before here, but I think there's a difference between a journey and an adventure. I think a journey is what you plan, and then you have adventures on Along the journey. The way. Yeah. yeah. So they plan the journey, and yeah. adventures just happen inevitably. Yeah. yeah. Because there's always the unforeseen. Yeah. The unexpected. Always expect the unexpected. <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. The, it says repeatedly that Bilbo is unexpected. Like, they were, you know... Yes. And they, they doubt him a lot. Yeah. Of, like, why would you choose this hobbit to do this? And now we got to split the treasure with him? No way. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you think we get from... Yeah, it being unexpected. It, in some ways, it's hard to be 
for things to be truly unexpected, right? Because like you look at things and there's like causation to certain actions and so on. But I think what Tolkien is showing is that things aren't always what they seem on the surface. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the, the unexpected part about Bilbo is that he's small and unassuming and cowardly. But within him is this unexpected virtue and this unexpected ability to overcome challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, unexpected grit for somebody who's very concerned about having all his meals yeah. and tea times at the proper time. Yeah. In his regularly brushed feet. But it's not just him. Like I think, you know, there's some people like that do like like to reduce things and say, Oh, it's so silly, like how many times he, you know, talks about eating and uh, how many songs there are in, in you know, in, in oh. whatever, you know, in, in the fantasy that, that Tolkien has written. But well, those are as, silly people. They are silly people. Okay. But it's not just Bilbo most of the time. Like, the, the dwarves are just as hungry. Oh, yeah. As as him. But I think there's a longing in Bilbo because he, well, he views it more than just fill my belly. Yes. But, I mean, the thing is about food is if... I think this is very much bringing out Tolkien's experience with World War One. Soldiers talk about food a lot because mm-hmm. they never have enough of it and it's never very good. Yes. And you kind of run out of topics, right? So yeah. all you end up doing is talking about food. And, like, what do we all do when we're bored? Talk about food. We're talking about food and we want to eat food. Yeah. And there's a lot of boredom when you are in war or you, you are on a journey. Yeah. You know, and that's a very realistic thing. And I think that he brings it down to just base needs of like, oh, they're really tired. They're really hungry. Like they're it makes it cold. very, very cold. And all of these things makes it so real and makes it such a, oh, like yeah. something that you can so relate to. Well, isn't it that first night when it's so rainy that they can't start the fire? That's yes. the whole problem with the trolls. Yes. Because they're like, oh, look, over there, a fire. They must be nice. (laughs) Yeah, dum-dums. No, I mean, they don't think it's going to be nice. But they're like, go ahead, Bilbo, check it out. (laughs) See if they're friendly, even though we've been warned not to trust anyone. I think, too, with the unexpected, there's a little bit maybe of there's... It's always... Not always, but it's mostly used in the context of good things it's like oh gandalf showed up in the nick of time unexpected oh the eagle show up unexpected in the nick of time you know bilbo saves them unexpectedly uh so all these things are kind of these these good things like this movement of grace like i'm trying to figure out what that means what the unexpected means i i do think there is that redemption is unexpected like yeah that's how, what, okay how, that's uh, what i think it, okay that's a good way how of is it. it how is it with Christ dead on the cross, how is that? That's an unexpected victory. Yes. Say that. So redemption is unexpected. Is unexpected. I think that's what the point is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. The Hobbit is a call to be ordinary. Yes. There's a lot of adventure books where you read it and you're like, well, that was very immersive and that was really fun to read, but I would never be that. And I don't think you get that when you read The Hobbit. Right. You think, I can be cowardly and get knocked out. And that's why he he wanted to write it as an encouragement to his 
kids, you know? Right. And, like, that's why he threw in the spiders, because his son was very scared of spiders. Yeah. And so he wanted to show that Bilbo could defeat the spiders. Yeah. And also kind of get his son's goat a little bit. And yeah. Kinda, like, freak him out. Yeah. <laughs> kind of mess with him a little bit. You know, I, like, yeah, you want to. I, yeah, I, I mean, I would. I totally would, too. Oh, yeah. So you tell the scary story. Because, like, you know it's going to, like, they're going to relate to it, too. And, yeah. Like, they're right away, as soon as they hear spiders, like, oh, no, poor Bilbo. Right? Yeah. Like, they're going to feel for them. I think I'd be more scared of bees. What What are you most scared of in the insect world? In the insect world? Yes. Just quantity. Just qu- sheer quantity Just of sheer any quantity qu- of any bug. Okay. Uh, I had a horrific, traumatizing event where I turned on a, a window air conditioner set and out sprayed hundreds of stink bugs not hundreds it was more thousands like tens tens ten. of thousands no <laughs> everywhere in my face in my hair it probably it probably was more like 20 at the end of the yeah yeah i mean it, it was gross I mean, we turned it off right away yeah it was like all of a sudden started spewing forth bugs yeah uh also when we first moved to grand rapids our house had an infestation of earwigs and uh, and grasshoppers. Ca- cave, cave grasshopper, cave, cave crickets is what they're called. Cave I mean. crickets now? Uh, yeah, that's oh, right. They but... changed the name now, have they? Well, they don't have wings like true grasshoppers do. Grasshoppers have wings? That yeah. makes them so much more disturbing. <laughs> Haven't you seen them? I really like Days of Heaven when all the locusts burn. Yes. That's my favorite part because you just see all the bugs dying. <laughs> All the locusts are, are dead. Yeah, so um, I I don't like spiders. I'm very allergic to spiders, so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't think of a bug. What was your bug? I like wasps. Oh, yeah. Honeybees are fine, yeah. but wasps. Wasps are not so nice. You're yeah. just... Well, I, I, they, they try to kill you. They do. They kind of go And they can you. keep stabbing you. That's the thing, right? Honeybees, yeah. they like, they I got one shot. <laughs> Gonna make sure that this matters. Yeah, (laughs) that's how they talk too. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas, uh, yeah, wasps, yellow jackets, they're uh, I find they're nasty. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll end with what change do we see in Bilbo? We've kind of talked about this, but the the chiasm brings us back, and so it kind of feels both really satisfying to return home. But the interesting with chiasms is that because you go back the way you came, it feels like there's less movement. But yet what's beautiful about a chiasm is that each point that mirrors, it it has new meaning to it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so leaving home and coming home, right? Coming home has such... A depth to it and it means so much more that inside of it that Bilbo becomes a poet like becomes a song maker yeah uh, the the road goes ever ever on and then he just this pours forth this this beautiful poem and that and Gandalf says like you know why you, you little hobbit like there's you know this there's this change in you yeah and so that's it's interesting that you can come back the same person but completely different 
Yeah. No, you you can. And I, I think that's the glory of living this life and, and taking adventures in your own life. And one adventure I'd like to t- have people do is take the adventure on the interweb to a little place called Etsy. Mm. And um, you have to search high and low, but not not, not too arduous task. <laughs> but the, the task before you is to find Ducks Never Waver. That's mm-hmm. the shop name. And there you'll find hordes of treasure. They're not even guarded by an evil dragon. They're only guarded by the evil Megan. <laughs> and all you, have to, all you have to do is <laughs> give some of your fine tokens yep. to her and she will bestow you hordes of treasure. Yeah, it's just the classic bartering. No, not bartering. It's this classic... Um, wow, it's so classic. Retail I shop. It. No, it's the classic... Um, <laughs> What's that when you swap? Classic. Tip for tat? <laughs> Isn't it like you just, I don't know, go into the mercantile store and say, I have three pigs and... Yeah. What's that called? Trading. Trading. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that took all the oomph out of this. That's... Oh, don't you love it when fibro just makes you forget really basic words? Oh, it makes for such good comedy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Mixed for a very crappy ad, though. I know, I, I just say. took all the punch out of it. Here, hopefully, you can save it. Well, all we have to say is go there. You will be pleased with your adventure there. You can return home with hordes of treasure. Hopefully, your in laws have not started selling all of your fine possessions while you were gone. And you but if can they have, you may as well get these new ones in. That's true. Because they're, they're probably better than what you have. Probably. I, I dare I say most definitely. Better than some of your possessions. You we dare. All, you we dare. all have some possessions we probably could do without. <laughs> yes. My wife is probably thinking of me when it comes yeah. to that. But that's... That's we, for another show. Yes. Marital Counseling by Ducks Never Waver. <laughs> oh, that would be awful. That would be hilarious. It would be. That would be awful. Awfully hilarious. Awfully hilarious. We would give such bad advice. So excited. Sometimes bad advice is good advice. Ah! You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Now you're ruining the ad. Well, you know... Ha! <laughs> we can both ruin this ad. We can both drag this ship down. Who's the captain? Who goes off last? You go... Well, I don't know. What do I want? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to drown or do you want to get off the boat? Yeah, but if I get off the boat, am I getting into another boat, or am I just getting off into the water? Just into the water. Well, then how how do you know I'm not going to drown? Oh, does the captain have to drown? Yes. Oh, Down, he has to tie a... himself to the sinking ship? Yes. Really? Because it's his failure that it's starting it is. to sink. Okay, so I, I would say you're the captain. Okay. One, two, three, not it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we bid you fine shopping and a good night.